welcome back to another episode of the Ricky Henderson Podcast, the greatest of all podcasts, GOAP. We've made it to episode 51. We're super glad to have back Melissa Lockard from The Athletic, the foremost authority on the A's minor leagues and the draft. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, how are you doing? I'm sure it's been a wild week for you. It has been. I can't believe it's only Friday and not yet Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's like forever Monday around here. <laughs> yeah, like you just see like, yeah, Tuesday, you're like, what? That was this week? Like, what? Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I definitely want to jump into the draft, but I also want to talk a little bit about Frankie Montas, uh, just like kind of what you saw from him yesterday. Um, I don't know if you saw the game, but he was hitting like 98. He had five strikeouts in three innings. Uh, do you think this is the last we've seen of Frankie? I know he still has two more turns before the, before the deadline, but, um, I don't know. What, what, do, do you have any gut feelings on that situation? Yeah. I mean, I think probably 50 50 i mean i know that's a cop out but like um the timing of a deal is so dependent on what other teams are looking at in addition to what the a's are looking at. i mean i think they couldn't have been happier probably with what they saw yesterday velocity being normal again him being efficient with his pitches um and just looking like himself i mean if i was a team looking to acquire him i'd look at that and think it was just a little blip and nothing big deal so um you know i think that that from a standpoint of whether a deal get done i think the odds went way up yesterday that Uh it will get done the timing of it we'll just have to see yeah, because because I know David Force, he, you, you interviewed him a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, we're not really in a rush to trade this guy. It's not like we're going to deal him just to deal him like we're going to do it if it's a good, good, um, good package. You feel like that's kind of still where they're at. There's like no rush to move him. Right. Even though right. it seems even though they're definitely in a rebuild, it's like they still have him for what, three more years or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, two, well, so this year and next year. So it's not like he's oh, okay. in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. But either way. Yeah. I mean, you know, there there isn't an immediate rush. Um, and, you know, I do think they will deal him. I mean, I think if you come out and say, oh, we have to deal him, you're not really, you know, in a good position to get what you want to get. So, you know, that that probably speaks more to his answer than, but I think there's no financial mandate to move him, which mm-hmm. I think was the case with like uh, Sean Mania in particular, I think in spring training. So um, I, I, I do think they're looking for what they want in a deal as opposed to being forced to have to make a deal, which is a big difference in terms of um, how they can approach this. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, if somehow they didn't get what they wanted by the deadline, then I think you would wait till the off season to deal them. But mm-hmm. um, chances are, I mean, looking around the league, there are so many teams in need of a top flight starter and him and Luis Castillo are probably the two best arms out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to, imagine that a team won't come up with a package that would appeal to them yeah and i wonder if like in the next couple of weeks too like teams will get more desperate and maybe they'll go on a winning streak in the next 10 days and be like all right let's let's just let's just do it let's just pull the trigger you know so i wonder if that'll happen too yeah i mean the extra playoff spots put so many more teams in play than used to be so um i you know i think there's going to be a ton of interest yeah and uh, yeah, I want to move to the draft too. That was earlier this week, and um, and just kind of big picture. Are you surprised that the A's didn't get more arms? I saw they didn't draft a pitcher till Jacob Waters in the fourth round, and um, I know you noted that they they kind of you know they need more pitching depth throughout the whole organization. So were you kind of surprised that they went you know hitter so hitter heavy, especially their top early picks? I'm not 
only because the strength of the draft at the top of it really was in the position players. In fact, I think it was what was most surprising about the draft just in general was that mm. two pitchers went in the top 10 picks because no one really expected a pitcher to go until maybe pick 15 or 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, because almost every single top college starter got hurt this year. It was, it was pretty incredible and including a couple of the top high school arms as well. So you were looking at a situation where there were so many medical situ- um, you know, issues with the pitchers. You're coming off, you know, a, a pandemic kind of scouting window for a lot of these kids too. Um, and the depth of the pitching was thought to be more in the middle rounds, if that makes sense. And that is okay. where they ended up getting a lot of their uh, pitchers. So it okay. did sort of fall along the lines of, um, you know, what I expected. Is it good for the overall health of the system that they don't draft pitchers in the first round? That I'm not so sure. You know, they they do have a, a theory that, you know, it's easier to create a superstar pitcher from a lower pick than it is to create a superstar player from a lower pick. And that, and that may be true, but the fact is that they're not bringing in a ton of high octane arms into their farm system on a regular basis when they're not taking any in the first round. And it leaves their pitching development system with less to work with than a team that is drafting those pitchers early on. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's probably six half dozen to the other, but I think, you know, when you look at, the team not having the sort of pitching depth in the minor leagues right now that you would have liked the reason you can point to really is kind of how they've drafted over the last 10 years or so. Yeah. I mean, cause it looks like, I mean, with Daniel Susak too, I mean, it looks like they just keep on going by best available player at this point. I mean, I'm sure Ray Fossey would be proud, but like, can you, <laughs> can you have too many catchers? I mean, yeah. I know that, I know there's already talk about moving, maybe perhaps moving Soderstrom over to first now that they got him. I mean, can you have too many of one, you know, just one? Because it seems like that's definitely their position of strength, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, it turned around in a hurry because uh, I would say 12 months ago, uh, mm-hmm. beyond Sean Murphy, Tyler Soderstrom was the only legitimate prospect that they had at that position. And now all of a sudden, um, a bunch of the guys they already had take, took a big step forward. You know, they've added Daniel Susak, they added Shay Langoliers, obviously, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has very quickly become a position of strength. I mean, it, it has been a focus in their drafts throughout the time that Dave, uh, Eric Kubota has been um, mm-hmm. the, the scouting director. Right? It's a very rare draft that they don't take a catcher in the first six rounds. Um, sometimes they'll take two catchers in the first 10 rounds. So I do think there probably is a a sense that catching is hard to, to, and it is, it's hard to develop. And if you don't draft Mm -hmm. it, you're not going to develop it. Um, And they've had a history of really good catchers in Oakland. So I think, you know, they've had good production from that. Um, You know, that being said, the draft is so far out from what's happening at the big league level that I don't think it serves you any um, good to really look at what your strengths and weaknesses are at the top of your system when you're drafting. I think, you know, it, it, it's not a bad thing to kind of have a sense of where your strengths and weaknesses are overall, especially when you get a little bit later in the draft in terms of filling some depth holes. But at the top of the system, you know, whoever you bring in, unless it's going to be, you know, Kumar Rocker or somebody like that who could very well pitch in the big leagues as soon as this year, um, you know, the majority of these players, the fastest they're going to get there is two to three years. And in that period of time, I mean, we've seen yeah. it with the A's, their entire roster could turn yeah. over. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's a problem they'll deal with later. I, I think Tyler, you know, was almost always going to go to first base regardless. Okay. I mean, they really, they, they really liked the improvements he's made. It may be something he can keep in his back pocket, sort of similar to how um, Jonah Bride, you know, can be that guy who can catch um, and give you that third catcher ability. Um, uh-huh. You know, but he just 
it's not as natural for him as it is for Shea and it is for Daniel Susak and obviously Sean Murphy. So, and he's a pretty good first baseman already. He's a decent athlete. He probably uh-huh. could go out and play a little at left field. So I don't think he's like limited to being a catcher, you know, Daniel and, and uh, Shea, you know, really are more limited to being catchers. So um, mm-hmm. they'll have to figure that out, but it, it's probably a good problem to have. Um, you know, Sean Murphy is going to, I think also generate quite a bit of trade interest. I don't know that they need to deal him. I mean, I think, Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's he's so early on in his career and there's so much ceiling left, I think, that that you could see from him. Um, it seems a little early to trade him. But um, yeah. but then again, you know, I do think Shay Langlers is ready for the big leagues. So um, if they do move him, I think, you know, it would be to get Shay up there. But um, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's sort of one of those things that it's it's only looks like a problem now and it'll probably solve itself before it gets to that point. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I mean, and I've heard has Soderstrom actually been playing more first base than catcher at this point, or is he is he kind of splitting time between those two spots? Or he was yeah. catching primarily, and then he kept getting dinged up. I mean, I think that's part of the issue is that um, you know he he's had a few kind of foul tips off of fingers and things like that that have had him need to go over to first base to be able or DH to you know so be able to keep playing because uh-huh. uh, catching would have been too painful on the hands, and then he'd come back, and then something else would happen, and then he'd have to go back to so it's it almost sort of seems like you're hurting the development of your best hitting prospect by putting him in a position that he's just getting pummeled right you know (laughs) but he's but he's looked better you know defensively a catcher than he did certainly when he was first brought into the alternate site and you know even last year so it's not like he's not making improvements there Uh um but i think you know from a health perspective it may make sense just you know to get him to first base and then you know, I, I hate to bring back the name Derek Barton, but, you know, there was a reason that they <laughs> moved him from catcher to first base when they acquired him from the Cardinals. And, um, and that was because they felt like the bat was so far ahead of where the, the glove would be. I think Tyler's a much better athlete and a better catcher uh-huh. than Derek ever was, but it's a similar sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. And, and he's been pretty clutch this year too, right? It seems like I, I, I've seen the Lansing, they tweet out a lot of walk-offs. It seems like he's yeah. had a, maybe like three or four walk-offs this year or something like that, right? Like he's having yeah. a great year, right? He's kind of putting it together this year, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, so he got off to a very slow start because I mean, that was just, the Midwest league was brutal weather-wise to begin oh, okay. the year. They had a rain out every single series. It was freezing cold. Um, and so a lot of the younger players in particular who had never played in weather like that got off to really slow starts, but he's been very good since then. Um, I think his numbers don't even fully reflect how hard he's hit the ball. Um, oh, I think wow. his exit velocities have been really elite and there's been a lot of like hard line outs and uh, deep fly outs as well as the stuff that ha- has been productive. So, yeah, I mean, he's, his swing is beautiful. I mean, you've, you've seen it yeah. and um, he generates a ton of power. I think he will hit for a lot better average than what you see right now. Um, and uh, you know, he's just making adjustments and he's still one of the younger players in that league. So, uh, you know, I think it's impressive too, that he's been able to stick with it and get better as the season's gone on yeah and i think i thought it was interesting that him and susak like i guess a couple years ago uh coming up they were like the top two catchers in this area right or in northern yeah. california right and that's pretty yeah. cool but yeah, it's, when, it's, it's, when i was um previewing the 2020 yeah. draft those were the two guys i was in for northern california that's yeah, yeah. the two guys i was talking about most you know it's kind of <laughs> and then both here yeah i mean but but you feel like susak has the skills to stay behind the plate because uh, he's like a natural, you know, natural catcher. I know he's pretty tall too. He's kind of like Murphy, right? There's six, yeah. three, something kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. So, um, you know, tall catchers are sort of controversial in some ways. There's, there's some school of thought that it's a lot harder to catch that way. And, and, uh-huh. and you do have to learn 
um, how to get down and block balls better, but you also tend to be a little bit more, you know, um, mobile and athletic. And, uh, you know, Marcus Jensen, who's been the A's bullpen coach forever, was the A's catching coordinator for a long time. And he was a very tall catcher back in his day. Yeah, yeah. And um, he did a great job of kind of, you know, they've had a history of, of taller catchers back there. Uh, you look at like Bruce Maxwell and some of the other uh, catchers that they've developed. Um, and, you know, Murph was kind of an interesting story in that he was short in his freshman and sophomore year of high school and he grew like a foot between his junior year oh really i didn't know that yeah and so he was a shortstop so he moves a lot more like a shortstop so i think it was all fairly natural for him i think for daniel you know he's been a catcher his whole life um his you know his brother was a big league catcher um so you know he was doing it before he grew into the body that he has and i think you know similar to how murphy was was a shortstop and he still has some shortstop actions that he can use back there you know daniel caught while he was a smaller person and then he moved up you know in size and so i think you do have some muscle memory in terms of your ability to move back there he's got a plus arm um he, you know they, they talked about in arizona that he really did a great job of communicating with the staff he sort of got that leadership quality thing about him um so i, I think he has all the you know makings of being a, a big league catcher you know you never know until someone really gets out there um yeah. and but the, but the arm strength is, is is strong enough that you know if it didn't work out they could certainly try him at third base or try him out in, in right field as well but um but i think catching is, is going to be a, a strong point for him yeah, I thought it was interesting that he's 21. So he, he's kind of in this weird sweet spot where he had two years of college experience, but <clears throat> he's still pretty young, so they can get him in there. And then, yeah, I think that's, I don't know, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, and, and and also uh, Kyle McCann is, he he's another catcher in the system too, who's kind of broke out. I mean, he doesn't have incredible numbers, but he's, he has shown some good power. And yeah. he kind of he's kind of broke out this year for Midland too, right, at double A? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in fact, I think he hit six home runs on their last road trip and then they were, oh, went wow. on them um, <laughs> and he had been out with he, the, the COVID had hit that team pretty hard. And so he had been out for a couple of weeks um, dealing with the virus. So he came back and certainly had not lost a step. So um, yeah, you know, his, oh, wow. his power and on base numbers this year are, are outstanding. I think his OPS is getting close to nine now. Um, and he uh, you know, defensively, I think he's still got things to work on. He's gotten a lot better since he came out of Georgia tech. Um, from where he was to where he is now another very tall catcher sort of similar but you know he's that left-handed hitting power catcher you know power hitting catcher that like teams you know dream about having as yeah. a backup right because you know your, your catcher is almost always a right-handed hitter then you can bring this guy off the bench to hit home runs um sounds like jonah heim almost yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly no and he's he's um he's played some first base as well you know so he does have a little bit of versatility he does not have the foot speed to move elsewhere but certainly he can do <laughs> you know first base and catcher um but yeah, yeah i mean you know he he and, and Logan Davidson from that 2019 draft class, they brought them up to Midland last year after the pandemic. And that's a tough first full season assignment. I mean, you know, you're going yeah. right to double A and it kind of beat both of them up. Um, but it's really been impressive to see how both got have come back and had much, much better years there this year. Um, and I think it's, you know, an interesting kind of almost bonus because if you were running into this year, you'd almost sort of disregard them as really being prospects to kind of, um, you know, build around, but, um, but they've both shown, I think, you know, that they could have big league futures. And I think that's been, um, you know, pretty exciting development for them. Yeah. And, and, and we mentioned uh, uh, Langoliers um, and, you know, I think David Forces said he's ready for the big leagues. It's just at this point, there's, 
like, do they just think it's more valuable for him to keep playing every day as opposed to maybe playing once every four days behind Murphy or whatever? Um, yeah, do, do you think, I think that's so. like the, the what they're weighing right now? Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, you know, like all these guys, they missed a season because of the uh, of the shutdown and the canceled season, and so whatever at bats they can get in the minor leagues are still better than sitting on a bench and not getting at bats in the big leagues. You know, there it gives him a chance to continue to keep his reps. Um, I, you know, there will be a point, I think, you know, at some point during the season that even if Murphy's still there, I think they'll bring him up anyway, because they'll, they'll, there will be more for him to learn at the big league level. But for the moment, when there's still this much left of the season, mm-hmm. um, having the ability to get, you know, 120 at bats in a month is probably more valuable than coming up and getting like 30. So um, I, I would expect that if we don't see him earlier than that, we'll see him right around the September. Um, you know, there's not a huge roster expansion like they used to be but there is two spots and usually you bring up a catcher so i you know i imagine that he would be that guy uh-huh. um but uh you know if they trade murphy i think he'd be right on the first plane to open so yeah and, and murph i mean murph's like really been on a tear since early june i think he's hitting over 300 he's his powers uh always there and but he's sitting for average and and like we said earlier you know he's under club control i think he starts arbitration next year um, so he's still probably, I would assume maybe that second, by the second year, he's for sure gone. Like that's probably when it escalates enough where the A's want to get rid of him. But, but yeah, like you said, I mean, is, is there any time crunch do you feel like, or any, I mean, like the only reason they would trade him, right. Is if they got a good deal that they really liked probably at this point. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, that, I mean, there, there would be no other reason to deal with yeah. because he is, I, you know, I think he's their best player right now. Yeah. You know, yeah, if you look at sure. like their, their, 26 man roster. I mean, he's the guy that, that gives you the most upside, both offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, he's a leader of a staff that has, I think overperformed, you know, probably what you would have expected it to and all that. So, um, you know, I, I definitely don't see, I mean, he, you know, he's a little older because he was a college, uh, you know, pick and it, it took him a couple of years to get to the big leagues, but, and he's had, you know, he's had some health issues, but other than that, like, I mean, there, there would be zero reason to rush to trade him. So yeah. if he got, if they got overwhelmed with a package, uh, you know, I know Cleveland in particular has been a team that's been rumored to be interested in him and, and they have quite a few very, you know, intriguing high octane pitching prospects that they've already done their development magic on, which, you know, they've got this great player uh-huh. development system for, for pitching, you know, that might be intriguing, but um Otherwise, I think you, you'd probably have to think that they would hold on to him, you know, okay. and, and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously everybody loves Steven Vogt um, for everything he does. And I know he's actually kind of, he, he, he produced, I mean, I think he's hitting like 170, which isn't great, but he, he produces, you know, drives in some runs. Um, but do you feel like it's almost like detrimental to, to Langolier's progress that he's there? Or do you feel like that's, you know, playing, like he's taking at bats away from Shea at all, or do you feel like there's anything to that? I don't think so. You know, I think it, it, there are spots to put Steven if, um, you know, if they brought up Shea, right. Like it, he wouldn't have to catch, he could play first, he could right, DH, yeah. he could be a pinch hitter. Um, I think he's there more because he's almost like a, a, a third, you know, coach. On this yeah, team, yeah, right? yeah. Like, you Player know, he's coach. a guy, he's, yeah. he's going to be a big league manager you know, someday, like probably pretty soon. Um, you wow. know, he, okay. the, the stuff that he brings to a clubhouse, you know, far out. I mean, you look at like the Braves, right. He goes over to Atlanta last year um, and they were in a bad spot and he even got hurt before the postseason, and still they credited him a lot with like what happened at the end of that year and getting them into the world series and everything. And so, I mean, 
I think there's so much mm-hmm. more to Steven than just what you see on the field. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that the amount of playing time he gets really prevents them from doing anything. You know, when they started the season, there were three catchers on the roster. And so he wasn't necessarily going to be catching a whole lot. So, um, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think he'd be the guy that'd be taking it bats away from, from Shea Langlers. There is a DH spot that they could always, you know, kind of fit people into. So, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, well, you know, we'll see what happens as the season goes on. I mean, you know, if there is an opportunity for vote to contribute to a postseason team, they may give him that opportunity just because he deserves it for the respect. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I don't think otherwise there'd be any reason to not have him on the roster. Okay. Yeah, and um, and we were talking about Vegas a little bit earlier. I want to go back to Christian Pache. I was looking at his numbers. It seems like since the past month or whatever, since he's been back there, he's doing really, really well. He's hitting uh, 327, has nearly 400 on base, 600 slugging. And I think the, the thing they're most important, they're stoked about, is his strikeouts have been cut way down. I think he has five walks and 11 strikeouts. Uh, I know it's Las Vegas, but uh, like sometimes your numbers can get inflated, but do you feel like, uh, you know, they, they have to be encouraged by his his numbers he's put up since he's been down there, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think the big thing to note is that it might be Las Vegas, but if you don't hit it in the air, being in Las Vegas isn't going to help you, you know? So um, <laughs> it only helps you if you get the ball in the air. And the thing he wasn't doing when he was in the big leagues was hitting the ball in the air, really, right? Like when he was making contact, he was hitting it hard, but he was mostly hitting it on the ground. And so what they wanted him to do was go down there and really change some things mechanically so he could get the ball in the air. And he is now. So he's, oh, hit, cool. some, he's hit a bunch of doubles. I think he's hit a home run. Um, he's getting line drive more frequently uh, and, and, and you know what you get with him defensively I think in they've the outfield defense has definitely taken a step back since he's not been yeah. there yeah. so um I wouldn't be surprised if they would see him pretty soon you know I it was interesting that Sky Bolt was back in the lineup and in the in the double header I you know like he got yeah. hit on the hand and, and it didn't look good when he got taken out no and, yeah I thought I thought he was gonna be out for like a on the yeah DL for sure yeah yeah so yeah. so the, I mean I think they'll probably give him a little you know he'd started to swing the bat well they'll probably give him a little bit of time because I think they've really wanted to see what he can do. Um, but I, I don't, I think it's a matter of probably weeks, uh, like short amount of weeks that we yeah. can flash again. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, Bolt, yeah. Like, like you said, I felt bad because I think he had finally, for the first time in his career, it was like six or seven game stretch. He got a few hits and then of course he gets plunked. So yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, in, in his career trajectory, you almost assumed he was, his hand was broken and he's out for the year because he's gotten he, hurt like yeah, so many times. So, so it was good. It was, I mean, it was a good sign to see him back in there. So. Yeah. And, and then Kevin Smith is kind of the flip side. I mean, since he's he's been back there, he's hitting like less than 200. I think he's got 36 strikeouts and six walks. Um, what's, I mean, is there just too many holes in his swing? I mean, what's kind of, I mean, yeah, what's kind of going on there? I mean, is it hard? Yeah. It's a mystery. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, he's, I've heard in the past, like even coming in the minor leagues, you know, he's had, he had a a very poor year in 2019. Then the pandemic happened. Then he comes back in 2021 and he has a huge year, but in that 2019 season, he kind of got in his head and couldn't get out, you know, sort of thing where it struggles just sort of overwhelmed him and he wasn't able to sort of figure out how to get his footing again. Um, so, you know, it could be that like he got off to a poor start at the big league level, it kind of compounded on him and it's just not clearing out even when he's down in triple A's so and maybe pressing too hard or something. So, you know, yeah. the talent you've seen it, right. Like yeah, for I mean, sure, yeah. it, it, not, 
not even just the, like defensively, but offensively, you know, there's flashes of this hitting the ball really hard, the dynamic um, kind of athleticism, but uh, there's obviously some approach issues that need to get worked out. And so, we'll, you know, they'll have to see, I mean, I don't think they're ready to give up on him or anything like that, but um, it, it, he's going to have to show a lot more to get back up there, I think. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, I really liked, I mean, yeah, like, especially on defense, like he was really exciting player to watch. He was like a fun player to watch. You could tell he really tries, but yeah, it's, it's, it's too bad. It's not really working out for him. Uh, I, I just want to wrap up with a couple more questions about the sure. draft. Um, is it Henry Bolt or Henry Bolty? How do you even, <laughs> do you know how to say it? I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's Bolty, but I am like the worst person with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, he was a number 56 overall pick uh, out of Palo Alto high school. I saw Keith Law projected, like, obviously it's really hard to project this stuff, like potential 30-30 kind of guy, a lot of good speed and power. Um, does this kind of break the mold for an ace pick, kind of a, a raw project pick kind of like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think they've done that before. Like Austin Beck was certainly a similar kind of, of pick. Um, I, I think it's that kind of tool package, though, which, I mean, if they, they are able to develop it, would be a huge upside play, right? So, I mean, and he, you know, he's a guy who can hit the ball out at any part of the park. Um, he's got a big league body already, and he's only 18, so you can kind of imagine what it's going to grow into. He's got plus speed, um, and he can play in the, in the middle of the outfield. So um, it's going to be a long project you know they haven't necessarily had a ton of success with these kinds of prospects before but you never know like hopefully they can um turn them into to something that really productive um mm -hmm. so but you know it, it's a second round pick and it's certainly worth taking a flyer on no not a flyer that would that would diminish yeah. but you know it's worth it's worth it's worth taking a chance on on a talent mm -hmm. like that at that part of the draft you know like it, yeah. there's no reason not to see what you've got um, in, in a possibility there. And then, you know, their, their third pick that day and Clark Elliott is a much yeah. safer airfield mm -hmm. um, pick. It's certainly a, a good prospect in its own right. Um, but you kind of balance that a little bit. You've taken somebody who's, you know, all upside and you've taken somebody who, you know, has a much higher floor, um, but also has some ceiling to him. So. Yeah, because yeah, because Clark Elliott, it seems like he's a really polished guy out of Michigan. He was, you know, top hitter at Cape Cod League. And but it seems like the knock on him is his arm. Is that right? Is they, they just want yeah, him to work on I his think, out because he's an outfielder and they want him to have a better arm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, it's um I'm trying to remember there if like you know, remember Shannon Stewart didn't have much of an arm out there. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, the, that kind of thing where you almost sort of get limited to left field because they they your arm strength kind of prevents you from moving over into center or right field, but his like other tools would, would work really well in those positions. Uh, you know, the good thing is now like velocity camps and, and stuff are not just for pitchers. You know, there, there are ways you can develop arm yeah. strength for, for position players that never existed really before. Um, so I, you know, I don't think you could look at somebody and say, well, he has a blow average arm and it'll never get better, yeah, um, yeah. especially for the outfield. So, uh, you know, they'll probably put a lot of, of, of work into that, but yeah, I mean, here, here's a guy who performed really well in very high pressure situations for Michigan played really well at the Cape Cod league, um, has power, has speed gets uh, on base really well. So um, I think he's going to be a fun prospect. Yeah, And with Bolte, when, when is the last time the A's like really, you know, hit it on a hot shot high school prospect? Is it like Matt Olson? Is he, is he like the last well, guy? Or, I mean, I don't know. If, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Cause it seems like they usually go the college route, right? 
Yeah, you know, that, that 2012 draft, so the first three picks that was uh, Addison Russell, Daniel Robertson, and Matt Olson, and all three of them made the big leagues, which, it, you know, I mean, for yeah. a high school pick, and they all made them and, and have had pretty good careers. Uh, the next year, they took Billy McKinney, who, you know, has not yeah. been a superstar, but certainly he's, he's um, managed to put together a big league career. So, I mean, I think they've had a uh, little bits here and there. Um, I think Nick, Nick Allen is the, probably the one that you would look at most recently. I mean, oh, that's you know, right. He, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he, he looks in. great. He, I, I feel yeah. like he's here. I feel like he's here now. I feel like he's, oh, yeah. he's like a big leaguer now for sure. Like he, yeah. He made it. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, he's, he's not going to be like the guy you build the lineup around, obviously, but he's, yeah. a, he's a guy you can really win with. And I think that's important. And um, you know, he, he had such a high baseball IQ and such kind of freaky athleticism in terms of his defense, this defense that um probably wasn't a ton that you could miss that way with him but um you know they had to work a lot with his hitting and and he's really taken a big step forward with his hitting and um i think he's going to be you know really solid like mark ellis type player for the a's for a long time yeah i see i see mark ellis in him too i really (laughs) do yeah just super solid yeah um okay i'm going to put you on the spot for the last two questions here uh if you had to guess which draft pick from this class do you think will make it up to the big leagues first who do you think I know it's hard to project three or four yeah. years down the road or whatever, but um, if, if you had to guess, who do you think will probably get up here? I think I'm going to take, go out on a limb and say Jacob waters. Cause I think he's going to come up as a reliever and, and get up pretty quickly that way. Okay. Okay. And, um, and which traffic thing will have like the, the best career. Um, yeah, I mean, league I, career. I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to yeah, record I, I, this and come back to you in 15 years. Right, to see. Yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you can hold me to it. I mean, you know, <laughs> the coward's way out, but I, I, I think Daniel Susek has the, the two way game skill set and at, a, mm. at the catching position that, you know, gives him the, the best opportunity to have a long big league career. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Good luck this year. Hope you get some rest and yeah, enjoy thank the you. fam. Yeah. All right. All thanks. right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.